Welcome to Energy in Action. I'm your host, Marcy Young, and as a Mito patient myself, I appreciate you and the community you've helped us to build. This podcast honors the triumphs and struggles of patients and families affected by this disease and celebrates the work being done by doctors and researchers every day to make it a safer world for our people. We are a support group and a podcast focusing on all things related to mitochondrial disease. Hello and welcome to a new episode of Energy in Action. I'm your host, Marcy Young, and thank you for joining us today. We have a very special guest. Anissa is the mother of Jeremiah Grayson, and he is a beautiful, wonderful, very special boy to our mitochondrial community. And we look forward to learning about the daily life and the diagnosis journey, all from his mom, Anissa. I know, Anissa, that your story is going to inspire other people in the community and make other people feel a little bit less isolated. So welcome. Thank you so much for having us, Marcy. It is our pleasure. So, you know, we know you're on the podcast because you've been touched by the Mito disease. So you know that we're always in your corner at Mito Action and we're huge cheerleaders for Jeremiah. Can you tell us a little bit about his disease and how it came about and what you started noticing? Okay. Basically, his disease, of course, it is a mitochondrial disease. The short term or the abbreviated term for it is just TK2D, and that's the number two. The technical term for it is thymidine kinase 2 deficiency, and it's basically categorized under the mitochondrial DNA depletion or deletion syndrome. It's further classified as a myopathic form because it mainly affects all the muscles in the body as they simply don't have enough energy to function properly. With Jeremiah, he was born, I like to say normal, I guess and did everything that babies would do until he got a really strange fever that was connected to absolutely nothing. And then he just started getting weaker after that, weaker in terms of just getting really floppy. Um, He was breastfed then. He wouldn't really latch on much anymore. He wasn't having much milk. You can tell he was working hard to breathe because you could see basically him sweating and you can just see the work of breathing in him. I actually reached out to his pediatrician and I told them that I felt like something was wrong. And when I brought him in, they could not see any physical signs of something being wrong. So they said he was just being a t- you know, he was just being a baby, being lazy, and they sent us back home. I felt like he just started sleeping all the time. And when I held him up, it's like he was floppy on me. So I started recording and taking pictures so that I could prove that something was wrong. And then I went back to the pediatrician again. And they said that it may have been torticollis, a slight case of torticollis. And so they were going to put in a PT referral for me. So I got the location for where the PT referral was supposed to be. And when I realized, I felt like he was aspirating sometimes when he was feeding I contacted them because they also do like feeding therapy. They were nice enough to actually work us in ahead of, of other cases. And as soon as we got there, the physical therapist, Miss Jessica, she pretty much said, hey, no, go back to your pediatrician and, you know, demand that you get to see a neurologist as well as get genetic testing done. She's like, this is something else going on. And it's, it's not torticollis. Torticollis is just your neck. And it's his whole body seems to be weak and floppy. We went back to the doctor basically try to express our fears and everything that was going on with Jeremiah. And he put the referrals in. After about two or three weeks, I still didn't hear back anything. So I called back the doctor's office to figure out who they referred this stuff to. Couldn't get through to anyone. So then I Googled every single 
place that did genetic testing near us and I inboxed them, emailed them, did everything I could do. And the next day I got so frustrated. I was packing up the car to drive Jeremiah to Duke, which is about four hours away from home. And one of the local genetic testing offices, Greenwood, they actually contacted me because they, they were like, they got the, the form that I submitted online. And they said, basically the doctor's office sent over the wrong parent information for Jeremiah's file. So they were trying to contact me, but they didn't have the right name, phone number, address, or anything at all. So, of course, I also had to reach out to the other neurologist and let them know the right contact information for me to get worked in. And we ended up getting a cancellation spot within that same week to get testing for Jeremiah. With the testing, at first, it was more of a virtual visit. And they could not, of course, see anything physical. So there were no signs physically on his body or how he looked that let them know what it was. The main thing that they were thinking that it could have been was SMA. Because, of course, with SMA, you know, you see that those muscular type issues. After about two weeks, we then had to do blood samples. And so his father met us there and we gave blood samples. They told us it was going to be anywhere between eight to ten weeks to get the results back. But thanks to God, Dr. Louie happened to be working on Jeremiah's case that same weekend. And so we got a diagnosis very, 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 very soon. Because once you realize what it was, they literally had me back in there on that Monday. So yeah, so that's how Jeremiah got diagnosed. Wow. Having a, you know, a typical baby life can be very stressful. And then to add all of these other layers to it, you have to have had so much frustration and just confusion. I give you so much credit. You kept fighting for him. You knew there was definitely an issue. Thank you. Yes. Just, uh, I felt like he was regressed and, you know, sometimes you, you can just tell, I guess they say it's a mother's instinct. You can tell when something's just not right. Yeah. And, and, you know, if there's no physical signs of it at that point in time, it's hard to prove it to others. Right. My phone definitely came in handy. <laughs> so he got the diagnosis and did they have much advice? What, you know, how did that change the the path for, for you and Jeremiah? The diagnosis, when of course that came, you know, they told me basically with his age, he was the youngest in the world to get diagnosed. And that the earlier the onset, the more severe and, of course, progress, progress of the disease is. So we didn't really um, think that he was going to last much longer. They gave me a piece of paper with the information about his disease. They spoke to me in terms of like, you know, he would probably need a feeding tube and we'd have to add all these specialists on. And I remember seeing UMDF's Miss Margaret's name and number on, an, on another sheet in terms of like resources. And that was it. But, you know, with them knowing that there was no, they didn't know about the clinical trial or anything like that. You know, they just pretty much know that it's no treatment, no cure, and that it was a severely progressive disease, especially based upon his age. Right. That's a lot to take in. So you contacted Miss Margaret. Yes, I did. And tell me about her and how your relationship is and the doors that she's opened for you. Oh, Miss Margaret's been amazing. She does so much for the mitochondrial disease community from just being able to speak to someone support wise to connecting you with different opportunities, such as just for example, I serve as, um, I serve as a consumer peer reviewer 
for the Department of Defense for medical programs. And that's thanks to UMDF because any programs that they get, they send and see who wants to be interested. Ms. Marcus mm. just connected us, connected the dots in so many different levels and even introducing us to other families. So yeah, she's definitely a big part of the support, support system. And so you guys are still in touch now. She continues to help you, you know, number of years later. Yeah, I'm a UMDF ambassador and I try to volunteer and attend different things as much as I can. Wow. So you're Jeremiah's mom. You have other children as well. And you find time to volunteer for the organization too. Yes, ma'am. That's a big deal. I mean, that's a big, big statement. So, you know, while we're on the subject, Jeremiah is a big part of your life, but Jeremiah has some brothers. He does. Yes, ma'am. Tell, tell me about your family and tell me about the relationships and how, you know, I'm guessing that the that your sons have probably learned so much by, you know, living with Jeremiah. Yes. So I have four boys. I have Jaden. He's 16. Josiah, he's, he's a rising senior. So we're actually doing college tours this summer. I have Josias. He is 14. He sings on the choir. He's in the IB program. He's going to high school this year. And he also plays football and baseball. Then I have Jamari. He is definitely preteen. He's a big gamer, and he also plays baseball. And then there's Jeremiah, who's four. He does baseball um, and any little activities I can possibly find for him. But just his um, schedule throughout the week definitely keeps me all hands on. I'm guessing that between all of the appointments and activities for Jeremiah, plus all of the things you listed off for the other three boys, you must not ever sit down. <laughs> that's that's true. I don't really, I don't really um get much of a break when my when my nurse is here. She tends to try to work at least twelve hours. I usually just leave the house or take a nice shower or something simple because even if she's here, I still have to like you know, come back for his appointments and take him to the appointments every day. Mm-hmm. So how often do you have a nurse coming to the house? She tries to come for at least 12 hours out of the week. Oh, okay. 12 hours a week. Yeah. She has another full-time job and um, she lives an hour away and she has a child. So, oh my gosh. Yeah. She, she definitely helps whenever she can. And even though we're approved by Medicaid for 88 hours, we just haven't been able to find someone in three years who skilled enough to look after all of his care issues. Wow. Yeah. That has to be really, really tough to face. So are you are you looking for others or have you kind of closed the door on that? Well, we've been looking for like three years. <laughs> so you're consistently looking to try to get more hours from a nurse. Yeah, we've been consistently looking for another nurse to help out with out for three years now. There's so much that needs to be done. Yes. COVID gave it a huge shortage. And then a lot of time with home care, some nurses, if they see somebody in a ventilator, they're more used to them not being as active as Jeremiah. Thanks to the clinical trial he's in and definitely God, Jeremiah is an active toddler. So he wants to sit up. He wants to play. He wants to get in his walker. Um, he wants to sing. He wants to dance. He wants to do activities. So a lot of the older home care nurses they can't really you know they can't lift jeremiah they can't do things that he wants to do so that's also um they're more used to having somebody just laying in the bed and that's not what i provoke for him right so you have to find just the right person correct wow so tell me about this clinical clinical trial what is jeremiah involved in 
Um, so clinical trials, we can't actually share the details of it, but we can just say that he is in a clinical trial regarding his disease. Okay. It'll definitely be historic because there's not any treatments at all approved by the FDA. And one of the reasons why I document Jeremiah's journey is so that if the FDA ever has any doubts that the research medication isn't working, they can just take a look at his page because I share on there literally a couple minutes a day, every single day for the last few years. Mm-hmm. So you can, you can literally go on there and see the difference from, you know, when he first started on the medication compared to now. And even though it's, even those slow improvements, you know, slow and steady wins the race. So I think sometimes it's not even necessarily a race, but it's more of a marathon and watching him over time learn to do different things. It's, it's just such a blessing. Wow. You have seen muscle strength develop in Jeremiah. Would you say that? Definitely. So just for example, this morning when he woke up, he raised his arm. Jeremiah has not been able to raise his arm for maybe two and a half years. Wow. So that's a milestone that was just hit today. Correct. Well, he's been he's been slowly doing it. I like give him something to try to reach for. He'll try to like push his arm up. But this morning he got up and he just raised one of his arms up in the air. And I was like, okay. That's awesome. Is he going to physical therapy or do you credit the clinical trial drug or just you working with him? It's, it's definitely a combination. Of course, first is God. Second, I definitely say the clinical trial medication. And third, when you think about a combo, you know, there's always a sandwich, fries, and a drink. <laughs> <laughs> so the the last combo part of it would be his 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 care that we provide. So quality care, quality care includes everything from we have physical therapy twice a week, we have occupational therapy once a week, we have speech once a week, and that's when school is out. When school is in, we also have school two days out of the week. They also do some PT, some OT, some speech. Then of course, anyone who's here helping me out. We do stuff with Jeremiah. So like after this call, he'll be in his walker. He'll go in the kitchen. I'm actually going to get him some magnets for the fridge today. So while I'm maybe washing the dishes, he could be playing. He can use his arms because he'll be interested in the magnets. So he, I'll put on like little, all those little sensory items. I put them in different places where he has to try to reach for it. So instead of putting a toy right in front of him, we might hold it up so that he can try to raise his arm. So I think it's just a combination of, you know, God, the clinical trial, as well as the level of care that the active level of care that Jeremiah receives at home. He's very lucky to have you. It sounds like you're always thinking about how can he grow? How can he be enriched? How can you better the quality of his life? It helps and it's a blessing. It's an honor. It is an honor. I am sure there are a lot of challenges, but I'm sure there are so many reasons he makes you proud every day. He definitely does. (laughs) (laughs) So tell me about what does school look like for Jeremiah? So school right now, we have an eye gaze device through the the school district. Thankfully, insurance covered it. And they come, they help him try to communicate with his device. We learn colors, body parts. We do different songs. We do different arts, crafts, based upon the theme for the week that they're doing in school. The reason why it's hard for me to take him 
in person to school is because Jeremiah is not really a morning person. He has problems sleeping at night. So by the time we get up and ready and stuff, school is probably almost over. So we don't do anything. Morning times are out unless it's like a mandatory out of town doctor's appointment. But Jeremiah has so many different lung treatments to do in the morning times, so much care that we don't really do much in the morning times. So, so school is in the afternoons and the teacher is called homebound services. They actually come to him. Oh, so the so you aren't leading the program, the school program at home. You have someone. You have a teacher. Yeah, we have homebound teachers that come. Oh, I love that. And has it been the same teacher for a long time, or have you? So with COVID, at first it was virtual, but yes, it's the same teachers. Now I think the teachers. I'm thankful to, for them because when we first wanted to transition to them coming in home. It wasn't a part of their contract and they tried to actually outsource it and find someone to come in and help him, but they couldn't find people. So they decided that they were just going to go ahead and do it. So they squeeze him into their schedule and they come by the house and make sure that he gets his instruction. Wow. When they're not with Jeremiah, are they with other students that are doing work at home? They're at school. So they're teaching in person with a classroom. Wow. And then they squeeze in time to to come to your home and teach Jeremiah. Yes, they That's do. fabulous. I know. I'm so thankful. It, it really takes a village. That's what they say. Yes. And it, it really is true. You have his therapy that you have to be able to trust and yourself and the rest of your family, your nurse, and then the teachers. That's wonderful. Yeah, and I definitely trust the therapist because remember in the beginning, they were the ones who advocated for him to get genetic testing done and knew that something was wrong. True, true. They're the ones that started this whole journey yeah. to, of the diagnosis. Yes, I can say that I also lean heavily on my physical therapist because sometimes, you know, as a mitochondrial patient myself, there's sometimes not really anything for a doctor to do, but the therapy is what helps in the meantime. And, uh, you know, once you find someone that you can really trust and who really is there, you know, has skin in the game about your care, it, it makes a big difference. Oh, it definitely does. It's, it's a whole team, comprehensive care. Mm-hmm. I've seen videos that you're working with Jeremiah on standing. Is that a place that you ever thought you would get to? Nope, never. Oh, I'm I'm happy that you are there. I know. So you work on that with with his walker and are you able to kind of push him into that every day? Yes, yeah, so I judge how our day is going to go based upon how he rests at night and how he gets up. So if Jeremiah just doesn't feel like doing anything, I don't force him. And if I bring, if I roll it in front of him and he wants to get in it, he'll wiggle and let me know that he wants to get into it. I try to put him in his walker daily because, of course, being upright is a tremendous help for his body. And in order for you to even get to the point where you can stand, you have to be able to bear, your, your, your bones have to develop. So you have to be able to bear weight on your bones. If you're never really on your legs, then you won't be able to do that. So we try to do different activities with him, but it all depends on how he's feeling. So we, we judge his mood and he, we let him kind of lead the way. In the way that you're talking about how you care for him, it takes so much thought. And, you know, you're thinking, you know, four steps ahead based on what you're seeing at the moment. And I mean... It's, it's a tough job being a mother. And to add all of these other layers in, I really do give you so much credit. 
So you were talking for a minute about traveling for doctor's appointments. I know that's a big issue in the mitochondrial community because there are so few physicians that are really specialized in mitochondrial care. So how often and how far are you taking Jeremiah? I think the thing about when it comes down to mitochondrial diseases, you don't see a mito doctor to treat everything that comes along with it, if that makes sense. So his doctors that I refer to would be more of his comprehensive care team. They're about two and a half hours away. And that includes everyone from his ENT team, of course, his pulmonologist, his dietitian, his GI doctor, his neurologist, his ortho team. Um, They're all out of town. And then in town, we have his cardiologist, all of his therapists and his pediatrician. So the, the mito doctor per se, we don't have a specific mito doctor. We do have another doctor that's about 12 hours away that we'll see probably once or twice a year. He's a neurologist, but he's very, um, very, very educated on Jeremiah's disease. So he'll be the one that I'll reach out to with major questions but a lot of times they just guide you back to your subspecialty doctors, such as your pulmonologist or your GI doctor. And we just kind of all work as a team, honestly, because one thing is about rare diseases is that it's not textbook. It's not black and white. So we all learn something every time we go through something. There's no right and wrong. It's, it's kind of, unfortunately, trial and error sometimes because we have to figure out, well, hey, what can be done differently? You know, we have to think about his muscles, his energy. How can we help and not categorize him just based upon historical evidence on others who may not have the disease? So it's definitely a comprehensive team effort. Mm -hmm. And you said, too, with his early diagnosis that he may have a more severe case than what some doctors have seen in the past. Yes. Well, so doctors did not, especially down here in the South, They've never heard of TK2D. They've heard of mitochondrial diseases, but not any specific ones such as TK2D. So it's all just a learning process for, for any of us dealing with it. But on the other hand, it's different because they're seeing the opposite. So, you know, if you go to Google, and I realized Google actually updated a while ago. <laughs> but if you go to Google and type in the disease, that's what a normal person would do if they first hear about it. But to watch Jeremiah's journey and you see like you, do, you don't see him declining every day. So just to be able to be a part of that is just mind blowing sometimes. Historically on Google, it sounds like it changed recently, but if I were to have gone on Google, I would see information about like a negative daily trajectory. Yeah, I remember when I first Googled Jeremiah's condition, 2019, Basically, you know, Google would always say things like, hey, if they're diagnosed when they're a baby, then they're not going to make it past the infantile stage. You know, if it was an adult stage, so adult onset, then that would have been different because their decline is a lot slower. But the, the earlier the age of onset, meaning when it actually shows up and you start to see the physical change in them, the more severely progressive it is. So keeping that in mind, you would expect that a baby, they're just going to get worse and worse. Versus now he's like a whole spunky toddler <laughs> <laughs> falling out and making noises and currently even kicking me. <laughs> <laughs> it's because he loves you. <laughs> right. Kick, wiggle loves. Wiggle. <laughs> you know, Google definitely updated. I know I looked and the life expectancy, I think, changed last time I looked at it. So, yeah. So hopefully with this clinical trial and the FDA, maybe within the next few years, 
you'll get to Google it and it'll say, hey, this is the, this is the approved treatment for it. Uh-huh, and a brighter outlook. Yes. Yeah, so time changes everything and just being able to share share his journey is is such a blessing. Have you been able to connect with other parents or patients of this condition? I have. Thanks to social media and Miss Margaret. There's actually a group on WhatsApp, probably about like 40 something families, even though I know there's probably about 128 people across the globe that's diagnosed with the disease that we know of. But there's a group on WhatsApp and they just kind of reach out and ask general questions or just advice, little stuff like that. It's, it's crazy because it's not like a common cold where everybody has almost the same symptoms. But the, the, the crazy thing with mitochondrial diseases, even if they all have TK2D, you know, one person may can use their arms a lot better than Jeremiah and they may not have any functionality, well, much functionality in their legs. So it varies per person. The symptoms are not the same for each person. Yeah, that's got to be tough. But do you feel like connecting with these with these families has helped you, has made you feel less isolated in what you're going through? To a lesser extent. There's so many different backgrounds, so many different lifestyles, different approaches, different concepts, different perspectives, and the kids as well as themselves, meaning adults, they're all affected differently. So you're connected, but you're still not connected, if that makes any sense. Right. I can understand what you're saying. Yeah, you might you might have one family who they just prefer their child to rest when me, I'm, I take a holistic approach to stuff sometimes too. So I know that you need to move your muscles in order for them to, to develop things like muscle memory. You need to actually be physically active for your body to work so that your body will know what to do. So, you know, just, just different perspectives on, on the disease itself too. Right. That can definitely lead to a different day-to-day lifestyle. Yes. So did you know much about healthcare and muscle and any of this before you had Jeremiah was your background in healthcare? No, my background is in business and communication, marketing. So this is all very new to you, relatively speaking. Yeah, most medical moms just kind of get thrown in there. <laughs> I mean, you sound so proficient. I mean, <laughs> you have learned so much in such a short amount of time. It, it becomes your life. Um, when you know that you're dealing with a disease that's time sensitive, you just kind of spend most of your time researching reading, trying to learn anything that you can, connecting with others, just to make sure that if it is where they get a limited amount of time, at least the quality. So you know how they say quality is better than quantity. I think about that with life too, in that a lot of times we stress the number of years and we're devastated because it is a, you know, it's a progressive disease and you get more devastated thinking about the words like terminal and fatal. But we're all terminal and we're all going to die someday. So if you think if you put quality before quantity, then you do all you can to give them the best possible life that you can. You have such a positive outlook. You you are quite an inspiring woman. So you you briefly touched on some of the activities that you try to get Jeremiah involved in. So is that within your city? Do Are there like inclusive and adaptive programs? Tell me about his activities and what he likes doing best outside of the home. So we set up playdates for him, especially summertime. So we go to the pool. I try to find other little kids his age and their parents will invite us for different things. The city has different things such as well, it's not really the city, but within our area, there are nonprofit organizations 
Jeremiah plays baseball with the America League of Florence County. They're pretty good. They have all ages, lots of teams. It's just an amazing, fun time. And then this July, he'll be attending his first ever summer camp. It's called Camp Adaptabilities, and it's for special needs kids. So those would be the two main community, nonprofit, organizational things that he does. But other than that, I just try to include him in different things, such as maybe going to a birthday party, going to the pool. We go to the park often. Of course, play dates. We go to church. He has little church buddies. They come sit by him in church. I love that. Yeah. So I just try to, I just try to make lots of little trips out the house to do more inclusive, normal things per se. Uh huh. Sometimes we look at kids, and because they may be more dependent on us, we can't forget the fact that they also have a social emotional need as well. Right. Do you see him light up more when he's with other little kids? Yes. So just recently, he had one of his friends over, Honesty, and Jeremiah eats by his G-tube. But, you know, we've been experimenting with different things by mouth. And so Honesty was eating Cheeto Puffs and Jeremiah snatched one and he started eating it, too. (laughs) And so there's no danger in him eating salad food? Yes, there is. So a Cheeto Puff melts. Cheeto Puff melts in your mouth. So I won't give him like a Cheetos, but I'll do Cheeto Puffs. He loves wonton soup. He'll do the broth from that. He loves Chick-fil-A chicken noodle soup, Panera bread chicken noodle soup. So I do mainly like broths for him. Sometimes applesauce. He loves a lollipop. So his um internally, you know, regarding muscles as well, his swallow muscles aren't as developed and strong as ours. He gags very easily. So that's why we mainly do like liquids and soft stuff. Wow. He is so lucky to have you. And he just sounds like such a joy. And I've loved getting to know you and him through our our meetings and, and seeing him over the screen. And I thank you so much for sharing your journey and for telling us about your day to day life. And I know that this is going to be a very inspirational episode for our mitochondrial community. Thank you so much. And if you want to follow Jeremiah on social media, where should people go? So we do Facebook, Jeremiah Grayson, TK2D Warrior. We also do Instagram. So Instagram might just be like three or four little short snippets from the day. Facebook, we do a combined daily video, like a vlog. That's typically between 7 to 12 minutes long every night. Um, we also share either disease facts We'll share different things, maybe from um, the American Academy of Pediatrics, as I'm also an ambassador with them. We also have YouTube. That's like our backup. So I basically put the same content that's on Facebook. I put it on YouTube every night as well. And then I'm still trying to teach myself TikTok, but we're on TikTok too. (laughs) (laughs) So you guys are everywhere. Pretty much. And then, um, well, we just launched this book probably about two weeks ago. So it's the first ever TK2D book internationally. It's called Tell Me, Teach Me is a TK2D. And that's also available on Amazon. You guys are so busy. We try and we do have a nonprofit in his honor that focuses a lot more on education per se. So I choose regarding advocacy to more really teach others about the disease through either daily awareness with posts on on social media or reaching out to like, you know, daycares and libraries around here and just sharing his story. Wow. You're enhancing your community as well as your son's life. You are doing so much. Tell us again what the name of the book is. Tell Me, Teach Me is a TK2D. Wow. Well, hopefully 
if those interested can go to Amazon and find the book, we can all learn more about TK2D. And thank you so much, Anissa, for being on our show and for sharing your journey. It was definitely a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. I encourage you to browse other Energy in Action podcast episodes. I'm so inspired by the resilience of those in previous episodes, and I know you will be too. 